we got 250 applications for $30,000 a year job that is often like master's preferred, right? So it is cutthroat out there trying to get even entry level positions. If you're going to stand out, if you're going to get an interview slot, you have to be strategic about all these things. Hello, this is the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Today, we interview Brooke Roberts, an inspiring young woman who is a serial entrepreneur already and someone that I have met through the industry of study abroad and international education. Brooke makes a splash at NAFSA and the forum conferences each year, and today she helps people get the career and job of their dreams through coaching people how to transform a passion for travel and international connections into a career where you can actually help students study abroad around the world. Her company related to that is called Inside Study Abroad. She also organizes yoga retreats and excursions. She uh, also runs a podcast. You can look her up at Brooke Roberts, the newdorothy.com is her website. Let us know what you think about us in the comment section. Always open to feedback. Happy travels. Again, this is Andy Steves, your host, and I hope you enjoy. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Episode 15. This is Andy Steves with the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. I'm uh, very excited to be speaking with my good friend and fellow travel entrepreneur, uh, Brooke Roberts. Hi, Andy. How's it going? All right, Brooke. So what I'd like to do is get into your background. Can you share with us a little bit about your story? So yeah, so for me, when people always ask me to tell my story, I always say, you can't understand where I am now if you don't understand where I come from. And so uh, my story starts in rural Kansas, and I come from a low income. Uh, I'm a first generation college student, um, single parent household. I was never really meant probably to leave Southeast Kansas. Um, a lot of people don't. And it wasn't, but I was always a really curious kid. We didn't have a lot of money, so we had a really great uh, library cards. <laughs> and so I've read a lot of books growing up, which really sort of opened my eyes to this, like these far off mystical lands like Spain. You know? <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, wow, magic. Um, but I'll never see things like that. It just never occurred to me that that could be part of my world. And, uh, when I was in high school, I, I remember the day so vividly. I, I was sitting in my Spanish class, um, you know, it was college prep coursework and sitting in my Spanish class chatting uh, with my friends and the, our teacher walked around with like a cheesy flyer with like horrible word, you know, graphics and stuff. And, um, and she said she was taking a group of students to Spain and France for the summer. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. And I looked at it and it was like about $900, a little over $900 to go on the trip that included your flight. So this is like the nineties is amazing. Um, and, but you know, for me and my world, $900 might as well, well has been like $9 million. It was like, wh where the hell am I going to get that kind of money? Um, 
And I already worked a part-time job to pay for my own car and all these things. So I went home and I was like, sat my mom down on the porch. I'll never forget. And I was like, mom, I really want to go to Europe this summer. And she just started crying. Like, oh my God, it's beginning. My baby's going to go away, whatever. And, um, and I showed it to her. She's like, well, you, you got a lot of work to do. And so I started doing all these fundraisers and telling these ugly, ugly ass t-shirts. I have no idea why my family like bought all these t-shirts, but I thank them every day for like buying these horrible t-shirts from me. Um, and I probably raised about well, they half say, the uh, send, send Brooke to Spain t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, no, they were like horrible. They were like, like cheesy animals and like elephants and giraffes. They didn't even say anything. It was this horrible. It, um, and yeah, so I raised about half the amount and, um, you know, and it's a couple weeks before I have to put down like the full amount to go on the trip. And I'm like, where am I going to get this money in two weeks? Well, I go, I, I'm at home working, doing my homework. My mom comes into our house and we live on a farm ranch actually. And she comes in and she says, grandpa, there's been a problem. There's a problem. Grandpa just ran into your, your car, uh, that gets you to and from school every day, uh, with the tractor classic Kansas story. And I'm like, Oh my God, like my, my European dreams are dashed. I'm going to have to pay to get my car fixed. Like this is horrible. So we go out there and there's like a giant dent in the driver's side door. And I like open and test it. And I'm like, well, it still works. Like I was like, mom, I don't need it. She's like, Oh, we're going to have it looked at right. The picture it looked at, it was fine. And she's like, well, we'll call the insurance company, see if there's any cover, whatever. And two weeks later, we got a check in the mail for $900. And I used that money to go to Spain and that car still has a giant dent in the door. So my grandfather, who may he rest in peace, changed my life because he couldn't see anything. We should not have been driving a tractor. Uh, but that that moment was it sent me to Spain and it absolutely changed my life. And uh, there was a research a few years ago uh, that was, you know, going around sort of the NAFs uh, international ed world. Excuse me. And it was about the first time effect. And it's really interesting research about how long the duration of your first time uh, uh, doesn't really matter, but the quality of that experience can be very powerful for the rest of your life. And that I'm like a case study for that situation. So fast forwarding, that sort of just opened my eyes to the world. And so the rest of my college career, grad school, my, my actual career uh, was all circling around this concept of international travel, um, other ideas. And uh, in college, I kind of had this idea I was going to be Josh Lyman, you know, from the West Wing, if you're a West Wing fan, if you're too old, if you're too young for that, my bad. Uh, but uh, I wanted to be like the guy behind the guy, right? I wanted to work in politics. And so that's what I worked on all through college. And I did um, uh, an internship in the British Parliament my senior year. And I learned very quickly, I did not like to make sausages or laws. I was just too glacially slow for me. Um, and I didn't know at the time, but I was like, my brain just worked too fast. I want to like, we have an idea. I want to execute on it. And we want to, I want to make things happen. And that's just not how it works in politics. And, uh, so I came home sort of a crisis of like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And my advisor was like, well, you studied abroad, work and study abroad. And, um, I was like, all right, okay. I'll make that happen. So I just type a student like I am. They said, okay, go get a degree in higher ed, do these things, check these boxes. And I did that. And the rest is kind of history. So you went straight into goabroad.com. You didn't work in an office like No, a no, no. Actually, I had I I had a, like 100 jobs before that. So <laughs> I worked um, – I did a grad assistantship in a study abroad office at a college in Ohio. Um, I then went and worked for Semester C, sailed around the world with a bunch of college students on a ship. If you've never heard of it, it's crazy. Um, and then I came back and I ran the study – I 
basically was the founding uh, director of the study abroad um, international program office at the University of South Dakota. So I was there for a few years and um, by chance and serendipity and right place, right time, um, I ended up working at goabroad.com, which is its own story. And that's sort of um, when I got into sort of like the private sector-ish, I would say. And um, I was at Go Abroad for about three years, and then I started my own thing. There you go. So, um, see, that's fascinating that you've that you sampled all those different types of um, jobs and, and careers and uh, opportunities. Um, being someone from rural Kansas, I mean, if you can do it, anybody can do it in the sense that, like, <laughs> you, you – with your determination and your kind of um, uh, view on things, you're just like, I just, I got to get out there and explore. And so that's, it's, I find that to be an inspiring story. When you passed, when you did all that travel, when you worked in all those different offices, you must have seen a need or an opportunity that you're, that you're going after now, that you're through the course of working in all these different offices and in all these different jobs, um, you know, you, you must have seen experienced witness a need um and that, that's exactly what i did when i started my company you started inside study abroad how many years ago it started as my blog in 2009 when i was at the university of south dakota yeah okay so inside study abroad started as a blog and then it evolved over the years um that's what you do now full-time obviously right yeah, I have three companies, so uh, full-time is, you know, you, you define full-time. Yeah, I do all the things all the time. So my other two businesses are uh, Yoga Travel Tree, which is a yoga marketing and retreat company, um, obviously not in international education. And then my other company is a newer thing called the Study Abroad Journal, which is a physical journal designed for students to use while they study abroad. And then Inside Study Abroad really came at a time where I had a lot of questions. So it started as a blog in 2009. I just got my job at the University of South Dakota and I was absolutely thrown into the deep end. I mean, I was ready, but I hadn't technically sort of run my own show yet. I was um, responsible for um, establishing a culture of support at the institution and an administrative foundation. It didn't exist before I arrived. So everything from applications had to be created to, you know, convincing financial aid that this was something that they should partner with me on and actually be supportive. So in that process of doing all this stuff across campus, internationalization, if you will, I hit a lot of roadblocks and I needed an outlet. And so I started writing on the blog about these issues I was facing and, and resources I was finding and, um, approaches that I thought would be innovative and, in, you know, helping more students go abroad. What happened, you know, I thought, oh, I'm putting out this, all this great content in international ed for international educators is that I would get emails from people saying, oh, cool article. How do I get a job like yours? And I would get that email all the time, <laughs> like probably every day. And, um, you know, now when I do like business coaching with people, I always say, we need to listen what people are actually asking you for, because they will tell you what your product maybe needs to be. Um, and so back then, you know, I just was like, I, I was like, okay, fine. I'm getting all these emails. I'll write a post. Like, this is how you get a job. And it, it went like as viral as something can go viral in international ed. And it totally like crashed my site. It was amazing when I like posted it, people were like going crazy for it. Uh, because at that time, nobody was really writing about that stuff. There was no clear path. Um, there still really isn't a clear path to being a professional in international ed. And 
from there, I would also get questions like, okay, great. You say maybe get a master's degree, which master's degree should I get? So I then did another post all about, um, here are a few master's degrees that you should get. And again, sort of crashed my site. People were going crazy for it. So that happened back then in like 2009, 2010. And then meanwhile, I became senior vice president of goabroad.com in that time. And so I moved to Colorado and I was really focused on leading that organization and, and moving it in a, in a positive direction. And so I kind of ignored Inside Study Abroad. If you actually go through my archives, I don't really have that many posts on it. Um, but because I wrote with an authentic voice, I didn't sort of shroud it in a lot of academic sort of uptightness, if you will. I just sort of gave it to people real is definitely my style. People, it was sort of a breath of fresh air for a lot of people. Um, and I would still get those emails and I would get people saying, oh, do you have any more advice, any more advice? And it actually wasn't until a year ago right now that I actually made Inside Study Abroad, quote, a business um, and have it earn actually any money. Uh, and I, you know, with continually getting this question, people still struggling to get jobs in this field and still not really figure understanding how to sort of. Um, maneuver in this space, I created the Global Pro Institute, which is sort of an online training program to help people um, do just that, learn about the field and also figure out how to position themselves so that they can actually get the jobs they want. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. To, to explain to people who aren't in the industry, the industry of studying abroad and international education is a unique beast. I mean, you have all sorts of industry politics, all sorts of relationships that go back decades that you may or may not be aware of, or all the different parts of certain relationships that institutions and schools have. And for somebody who's just getting into this industry, it's something that, that isn't intuitive. Um, and it feels like you're kind of navigating a minefield almost. Um, and and mm -hmm. so I definitely see that a need for worthwhile advising people who just want to get involved. You take your experience and your wide ranging experience and just help people understand what what are their skill sets and, and, and where they should go. And and you help them get hooked up with a job and or a career. Is that is that the case? Yeah, I definitely don't guarantee jobs because, like sure. you said, it's such a like a wild beast of a of a of a field and industry. So, um, but I definitely help them be better positioned for the jobs they want. So I start off by teaching people. I call it the inside baseball of international ed. Right? It's sort of like all that's that the the landmines of of the field and and why I I'm saying field right now versus industry. And I we talk about why that is. We talk about the history and I go into like this company used to be part of this company and that and they merged and blah, 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 and that's why that person is like, you know, like I get into like the gritty stuff behind the scenes, but also sort of just the foundational stuff that international ed is more than just outbound U.S. students. And there's a lot going on in this space beyond just just that modality. And so that's the first module. Then the rest of it, frankly, is all stuff that I have one learned you know, through my own experience in my own career, building my own career, but also stuff I've just learned by being an entrepreneur, being a professional, um, in, in lots of different capacities. So we, we talk about building a personal brand. We talk about, um, identifying your skills and where you have skill deficits for the types of jobs you're trying to get. Uh, we talk about how to gain strategic experience and I teach them like how to pitch someone to actually get an internship or get a practicum or uh, something like that to, to get some real experience in the field. And, and then we, I help and we talk about, I have a whole module on networking alone because our field is so small 
mm-hmm. and your network is in, incredibly important to your success. And and then at the end, I help them with sort of the packaging of all that, the resume, the cover letter, their online presence, and how do you put that all together so you actually can stand out? Because I, you know, one of the challenges with this field is that it's not we've got 250 applications for $30,000 a year job that is often like master's preferred, right? So it is cutthroat out there trying to get even entry level positions. And so if you're going to stand out, if you're going to get an interview slot, then you have to be strategic about all these things. And that's what I teach. This episode of Andy Steve's Travel Podcast is brought to you by our break trips. Spring, summer, fall, have a blast across some of our favorite cities. We have Central Europe that starts in Berlin, jumps on over to Prague, makes our way over to Krakow, and then Budapest, and Italy, Venice, Cinque Terre, Florence, Rome. The cities sell themselves, and we pack quite an adventure in nine short days. Check it out at andysteves.com slash break trips. Happy travels. Tell us briefly about Yoga Tree Travel. I'm curious about that. Yoga Travel Tree. Yeah, it's um, I it, Yoga <laughs> Travel Tree. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been around about a little over three years, and it's taken a lot of different um formations. I would say we've had a few different pivots for those entrepreneurs listening. Um, and I will say if for a little little tip right now if <laughs> a lessons learned from someone who's been an entrepreneur is that I th- people have asked me sort of what's your number one um, recommendation or biggest advice as an entrepreneur and I always tell them focus focus <laughs> and they always, and then they say well what's been your biggest mistake I said lack of focus so <laughs> uh, learn from me I am the worst at this so but it's the, definitely something you know, I am to the 2017, I'm like drilling down and super hyper focusing, but yoga travel tree is something that, um, you know, when my focus on inside study abroad, it kind of wanes, you know, the yoga travel tree business does. So I launched it as, as something where I saw a need. So, uh, kind of going back in my story, when I was traveling around the world on semester at sea, I got into yoga and, and right after that, I went from being all over the world to moving to South Dakota. And at that time there was no yoga in the little town that I lived in. Um, everything's a little town in South Dakota, by the way. Um, so even the university towns and I thought, well, I'll become a yoga teacher. Uh, I'll teach the yoga and so we'll have some yoga in this town. And so I went online as you do and tried to find a yoga teacher training that, uh, that I could do in two weeks. I had, you know, that much vacation, things like that. I wanted to do it abroad and all these different elements. And there, it was just a cluster trying to find something that didn't seem so crazy sketchy. Uh, it was just these weird, horribly designed websites with a PayPal button. It's like, send us $3,000. And I thought, oh my God, this is crazy. How is there not a website that either curates or at least makes it seem like, okay, it's on this website. It seems a little legit. And so I had that thought back then. Fast forward, I go work at goabroad.com. And if you guys aren't familiar with what that is, it's basically a search engine for programs abroad and for study, volunteer, teach abroad, et cetera. And I, you know, running that company for several years, I won, I learned how that operates and, you know, what you need to do for success and driving traffic and all those elements. But I also realized, oh, this is the kind of thing we need in the yoga space. And so after sort of growing, go abroad and doing some amazing things there, I thought I'm ready to 
I'm ready to build my own company, you know? <laughs> and so I launched yoga travel tree. I, I left go abroad. I launched your travel tree a few months later and, um, we had some really fast, fast growth in terms of it being a marketing platform for the yoga space. Um, one of the pivots, it didn't, wasn't really a pivot. I would say it was an addition to the business model was beyond having it as a marketing platform. What I was noticing as an international educator is that I was looking at all these retreats going, I don't want to go on any of these retreats as a traveler, right? It was a lot of like fly to fly to Thailand and then go sit in a retreat center. And I'm like, I flew all the way to Thailand. I want to experience Thailand, right? I want to do yoga too, but I want, I want to get more from, from this experience. I want to make it more meaningful than just, you know, sequestering myself off into a retreat center. And, and I think there's a time and place for both styles. I just personally wouldn't do those other styles. And so I thought I'll, I'll design a retreat. I just, it did it. And I was like, well, the number one destination is Bali. And I designed it and I sold it out uh, pretty quickly. People loved the idea of, I call them yoga adventures, right? So we sort of travel all over. We do lots of different cultural activities and uh, we do um, volu- volunteer day, a Siva day, uh, which is very true to sort of yoga philosophy. Uh, and it's great. And people love the style. And so from there, I thought, okay, I'm on to something. And I ended up designing 12 more um, over the course of the next 12 months from there. And in 18 months, I, I think I led 12 trips on three continents. Wow. Yeah. You, you always presented it like a side brand, but man, it's both yoga travel tree packages, but it's also a platform for other uh, retreats and other organizations to put up their options on there as well. Exactly. Yeah. And because I'm also just, uh, you know, I, I think as you learn as an entrepreneur too, there's elements that, have, um, you know, we become an entrepreneur because one, you love what you do. And I learned very quickly that, um, uh, I, I don't love planning other people's vacations. And I know that sounds horrible, but I, I, um, wanted to sort of get away from actually doing the retreats and it, it might've been burnout, you know, 18 months of pretty aggressive travel schedule for myself. Um, I kind of am moving away from that, but I have, I'm work, I'm working on some other things. So the marketing side of it's still going, it's going great. Um, but, I'm working on launching a few other things, again, meeting a need that I've abs- I've absolutely seen in the marketplace. So for me, um, once I started building retreats, I had a lot of yoga teachers come to me like, oh my gosh, how did you do that, right? Because I, I worked in international ed, I just know how to do program design. And so now I'm working on um, a platform that helps people build out a yoga retreat for themselves. Yeah. I think we're going to have a few more follow-up conversations because that, that's that's cool because you can, um, you know, obviously there's, uh, my entrepreneur brain is clicking away right now and, you know, that, that's excellent that you've had such quick pickup. I mean, these uh, yogis is what they're called, right? A yogi. Um, right, they're, right. They're personally and selfishly, I'm sure they're just looking for a chance to travel. Obviously, there's going to be more or less entrepreneurial types of yogis. But mm-hmm. maybe maybe they just want to work and and you can sell these packages so you don't need to, you know, lead them yourself. The marketing and recruiting for retreats is very competitive. It's very cutthroat. Um, every yoga teacher wants to do a yoga a retreat and there's more yoga teachers than yogis. I saw a stat about that a few months ago. Um, so it's just a very, there's a lot, it's a very saturated marketplace. And I'm sure there's a few lessons that I could learn because, you know, if somebody has 3000 bucks of vacation fund, basically, you know, if we were going right. to simplify it, if you have 3000 bucks of vacation fund for this, for this year, um, 
like you said, it's a saturated market. Travel in general is a hugely saturated market. What sort of marketing mm-hmm. uh, techniques, what sort of marketing successes have you had to, to cut through all that noise? Mm-hmm. Um, well, two things. I would say partnerships have been really great and powerful on, on a human level, but also like business to business partnerships. So partnering with yoga teachers, like you said, so I do hire yoga teachers to lead the trips as well. And so that helps sort of bring in their community to the yoga travel tree fold. Um, and then another layer to this is that it's, it's back in lead nurturing. So to get people to, um, want to drop what, you know, however much money, you know, a trip is going to cost that amount of money and want to travel with you, you have to appeal to something beyond just like, here's what's included. Here are the features, you know what I mean? All the data points, you have to appeal to something where that they want to be a part of something bigger. And that's something that I think we, we've been really successful with that yoga travel tree is that people really identify with the brand, the brand voice, what we stand for. Mm-hmm. And I have like a, I think at this point, 28% repeat offender rate, if you, if you will. Uh, nice. Yeah. So I've had many people go on the trips again because they love the style of, mm-hmm. of what I've created because they're yogis, but they're travelers too. And that, and that's part of our brand is like, we are, a, we're a company for, travel lover, you know, travel lovers who love yoga, who you know, value yoga as part of a lifestyle, right? That's, that's a great indicator of how you're doing, obviously, more, more than anything mm-hmm. else, more than any review, more than any uh, word of mouth is whether or not that same customer will come back to you and trust mm-hmm. their their money and time with you again. That's definitely uh, yeah. um, something to be proud of. Good work, bro. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Cool. Oh, yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's it's hard for me to answer because I, I, I talk to people like that all the time. I mean, especially, you know, going back to the sort of my Kansas roots, you know, in my community, I'm like the travel woman, you know, whatever. So I get a lot of people like, oh, will you talk to my daughter? You know, she, you know, she's 15 and whatever. And um, I think it, it can be the world is absolutely a scary place. I have had very scary ex- experiences in my life. I don't want to like put any rose colored glasses on it. I don't want to make it, Oh, the world is perfect and you'll always be safe. Um, but I think for me, I, I, I have always felt like secure, but I've also been very smart about not putting myself in situations that, um, could make me be a target or put me in a vulnerable position. I mean, but it's this, it's the same kind of stuff that I would have done in college when I was in Boston. It's not, I don't really change my behavior uh, dramatically when I, when I go abroad, I'm just, I'm intentionally more aware of my surroundings, things like that. Um, for me, I think, I, I don't know. I, it, it is it rude to just say, I feel like you just got to have some common sense. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it's, um, it's more dangerous for women. I think there are places and, you know, conclaves of cities even that are just going to be slightly more, um, you know, touchy or, uh, I don't want to say dangerous because I think it paints it the wrong way, but, um, in any big city, you know, I was in New Orleans last week and we, um, I was asking somebody, you know, Oh, when I go to this jazz club, how do I get there? And I was walking and they said, Oh, you guys got to the way. But they said, you can't walk. They told me that like, you cannot walk down there. And, and I was like, all right, but Uber it is, you know? And so it's sort of just like being willing to ask and ask someone, is, is it, is it safe for a foreigner or a woman, whatever, um, to travel down that way or to walk? And, 
you know, and then just going with your gut. If it feels wrong in your gut, is the yogi in me is going to come out now. But, you know, if it feels wrong, um, then it probably isn't. It, it probably is wrong. Um, so that, you know, for me, I just feel like you have to have common sense. I feel like for women especially, um, you know, look around. I, you know, I tell and people going on my yoga retreats, you know, it's like, you know, these beautiful yogis. See, so look around. If you are the most scantily clad person in vicinity, then you're doing something wrong. Like, like take notice of what's going on around you. Cover up your shoulders if you need to. If you notice that nobody's wearing these skimpy shorts, don't be wearing skimpy shorts. Um, have a little respect for the local culture and the customs. And it'll also help you not draw unwanted attention to yourself. Um, Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> about how to start your own podcast and i feel like one of the things that were the chunks of information that was lacking in terms of just getting a podcast off the ground what's been your experience like um getting your podcast off the ground and can you speak to um first off tips and you know and, and things that you didn't expect to learn as you went yeah definitely um so gosh well i feel like for me and this is true just like uh, any business really is niche is really important. So, um, because my podcast is the inside study broad podcast. I, I know where my audience is. I know where to, you know, post episodes and, um, uh, you know, promote it and tell me, Hey, we have a new episode. Um, I have a captive audience with my own email list I've built through inside city abroad dot com. So, you know, for me, it's like have knowing who your audience is and then trying to capture them in, in the places they hang out or capturing them from, um, your, your own platform, really figure out where they hang out. Right. No, don't, right, don't, right. don't leave that as an abstract idea. Like really figure out where they hang out, whether virtually like on, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, or mm -hmm. in person and, and, and find them, right. Like seek them out. Right. Right. And oftentimes, uh, you know, your, your audience is, is the audience of someone else. And so utilize knowing that saying, how can you, you know, do, be a guest on their podcast, for instance, for you, if there's like tra other travel uh, related or entrepreneurial related uh, podcasts out there, trying to be guests on their show so their audience learns about you. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of a basic example. But um, and again, I think uh, Facebook groups are really kind of really prominent right now, especially for uh, podcasters. Uh, they build a Facebook group for their listeners to sort of join and engage um, with the host and, and things like that. So that's been a cool thing to sort of when again, it's all that it's find and capture. I'm all about the mm -hmm, capture too. Mm -hmm, um, so cause we can do a ton of promotion, but if you'd ever get somebody to like come into your world, so to speak, um, you, you're likely going to lose them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the acquisition costs, it's like, you're going to pay a lot of time and money, energy getting them. You want to hold on to them. Um, so in terms of me, like, um, so for me, I felt like I, it's been pretty It's been very successful. Um, but mostly because it's so niche and it's so for a specific audience, you know, if, I think you, one of your challenges will be because it's so broad, you know, you might have someone who wants the tips and they just want the tips, you know, the travel tips. Mm -hmm. And then somebody who's like, I don't not care about this random girl from 
Kansas and her entrepreneurial story, you know? So, um, so, so that might be hard, you know, just knowing your audience and sort of what they're really going and you'll learn that as you go through too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think, uh, with, um, I'm so this is I'm going to say this right now that you're like, didn't she say she was going to focus before? <laughs> um, but so one of the other things I'm actually launching another podcast um, soon that is um, the new Dorothy podcast. And um, and it is going to be a lot broader. So it's going to be more, you know, um, entrepreneurial discussions. I, I really want to especially the first season really focus on women um, travel people who are like ha- figuring out how to make create an adventurous life and whatever that looks like for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm going to have these sort of same struggles like, okay, now that's so broad now, how do I find my, find my people? And yeah. so I already sort of have my like marketing plan outlined of like all the, the, oh my gosh. the, the, the places I'm going to be promoting it, the guests I want to have because your guests should hopefully promote for you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but I think you're doing a great thing by, um, pre-recording and dropping a bunch at once so that you can get your reviews up pretty quickly. That's mm-hmm. the other thing I would recommend getting your reviews. Um, because that just tells like the algorithm machine that behind the real, scenes huh? that, yeah, and it's real. People are liking it. So let's put mm-hmm. it at the top of like generic random search results, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then your tagging. That's all important, too. Wow. Hey, um, tell us where we can find you, where we can look up more information on all of your different things. Awesome. Yeah. So I the best way to do it, if you want to sort of get into the Brooke Roberts world is go to my my website, the You'll find links to all my different businesses, projects and links to all my social media outlets there. That's the best way to go the new dorothy.com yes the new dorothy good stuff with that i'm gonna leave it uh thanks again brooke and i'm excited to see where all your uh projects uh take you yeah thanks so much for having me on the show andy thanks again for listening find all show details links and tips at andysteves.com You can connect with WSA Europe, Andy's tour company, at WSA Europe on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Happy travels.